Khuni, The Crimes of India is a thoroughly researched podcast that uses publicly available documents, reports and books and associated media to provide listeners with a complete picture of the week's case. The following content is often graphic and regularly uncomfortable. Mentions of assault, bodily harm and death may follow. Khuni, The Crimes of India does not condone any actions mentioned in the episode. Minors are advised to exercise caution before proceeding. Thank you. April weather in London is unpredictable. There would be snow one minute and bright sunshine in the next few minutes. If you're unlucky, then you might get caught in heavy rain without an umbrella. But then again, what Londoner doesn't always have an umbrella tucked into some corner of their bag? When Swinder Singh went to bed on the night of the 30th of March 2015, her biggest worry was how she could protect her little garden from what April had in store for London that year. And about the achar that she had asked her little sister Sita to bring back from India. At an ungodly hour of next morning, Swinder was woken by buzzing of her mobile. It was her younger sister Geeta. She called to tell Swinder that their sister Sita had died in India. Died? What? Geeta, who told you this? A part of Swinder was hoping that she was still in a weird early morning nightmare. So Geeta explained that Sita's brother-in-law Jitender had called their father and broke the news to him. Apparently, Sita had had a heart attack in Kurukshetra. She had gone there with her husband and four children. A now sobbing Geeta told Swinder that Jitender told their father that they were going to cremate her body in keeping with Hindu traditions. Their father begged him to hold it off until they could get there. He pleaded with Jitender and said that they can get there in 24 hours. He said they wanted to see Sita for one last time. By now, Swinder was fully awake. There is no way Sita could have gotten a heart attack. Swinder knew that Sita was having trouble in her marriage. Her husband Pavan was physically abusive for years. Recently, the man had some fanciful idea in his head that he wanted to give away their child to Jitender. Even as she booked the family's tickets to India, she couldn't help but think that something went terribly wrong in India and that Sita did not die of a heart attack. When she saw her father at the Heathrow airport, she knew that he shared her suspicions. Namaskaram. Welcome to today's very Khuni episode. I'm Sneha and I'm from Hyderabad. And today, finally, I'm not alone. Not going to be sitting by myself and speaking into a microphone. Today, Khuni has some very, very, very special guests. 
I'm with Alex and Pia, the wonderful hosts of Crimes from the East podcast. Hi guys. How are you doing? Hey. Hey Sneha, thank you so much for having us on. We are so excited. Hi Sneha, Same. thank you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, uh can you tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast and what got you started? Oh, sure. Um hi, this is Pia. I'm the host and producer of Crimes from the East, South Asian true crime podcast, but we also cover like strange phenomenon and weird, unexplicable or unexplained stuff that happens in the South Asian subcontinent. And our backstory is kind of um very organic in the sense it's I don't come from a podcasting or radio or recording background at all. I was a techie. I did software for like more than 15 years. And I stopped that job when my daughter was born and I was kind of losing my mind sitting at home. And so my husband encouraged me to start a podcast like I'd been talking about for years but never had the courage to do it. And that was a perfect time. So I was like, "All right, let's do it. Let's make that podcast about Indian cases and South Asian cases because it was missing in the market." And so I was like, "All right, let's do this." And that's how Crimes from the East came about. Alex, you want to tell everyone how you joined in? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, um this is Alex. Hi. Uh I guess Pierre knew that I listened to true crime podcasts and that we shared um this interest in common and she called me and she said, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Do you want to try like being a guest on an episode and see how it goes?" And I was like, "Of course I do." <laughs> um and it's a topic that I should be more connected to because my mom is Indian, but I never grew up in India. I've always been a little bit disconnected, so I know nothing about really anything. <laughs> um so I'm the, I'm the perfect like connection to the audience who doesn't know anything like me. <laughs> I'm along for the ride with the listeners. So I guess that that kind of is how we've approached it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me give you another uh funny anecdote. How we found out that we both listen to the same kind yes, of stuff. Yes. I love so, this. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have a family WhatsApp group, you know, like everyone mm-hmm. does. And All oh, right, because we're cousins. This, I don't know if yeah, you mentioned <laughs> we're that. We're cousins, yeah. <laughs> so, Alex like randomly sent this picture of her cat like balancing on her back and she was wearing this t-shirt of the last podcast on the left. And I was like, Alex, no way you listened to last podcast. She's like, "Uh, yeah." And then I sent her a picture of like me, you know, like cradling my kid and I'm wearing the same t-shirt. I'm wearing the last podcast t-shirt. I'm like, "Look." <laughs> so I was like, "We're on the same page." Yeah. You know. It's it's amazing because even Kuni, like Aditi and I we realized we sort of listen to the same podcasts and Aditi in fact suggested last podcast on the left to me and I was just hooked from day 1. So I guess yeah, that's a common <laughs> What a synchronicity the last podcast brought so <laughs> podcast starts together and and That's I even awesome. have that t-shirt that you both have I've seen it on your uh, Insta <laughs> We should totally wear it and be like love Yeah we hello. need to do that um the Zoom photo Yeah 
and and i think pia told me that alex you went to the show their show in edinburgh recently right um it was yeah it was in dublin oh you went in dub i went to their show in edinburgh yeah. oh really like i wanted yeah. to go but the tickets were sold out i was too late we would have maybe we would have met <laughs> i know it would have been so cool <laughs> Okay, I am so thrilled to have you both on board. <laughs> I just love how I'm finding more and more independent podcasters to sort of, you know, collab with. And this is we are uh, mm-hmm. a cheery bunch for people who cover crimes. So I loved it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a, I'm a big time listener. Like when I was googling stuff about how to start a podcast and are there other Indian, you know, crime story podcasters, that's when I found Kuni and I was like, <gasps> Wow, finally someone's, you know, someone's doing it. Someone's covering Indian Indian cases and I immediately subscribed and I started listening and I binged. I binged. I listened to everything in like I don't know, 3 days and that's when I messaged um messaged you on Instagram I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so happy to have found you." That was such a that. such a sweet message. Oh my god. <laughs> and then she even joined for our live show which was just so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why like it's I'm not just some person i totally am a listener i'm a fan i'm a big kuni fan so i'm very happy to be here sneha i think we've mentioned your show at least like yes. half at least half a dozen times on ours Aww. because yeah. yeah we're like oh i heard this on kuni yeah. and they 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 covered this so well i don't know if we're going to do it justice but we're going to try oh <laughs> that is so cute thank you so much this means a lot to us <laughs> Uh, women supporting women yeah. woohoo <laughs> like i said this is amazing like i'm so happy to have both of you on board so uh listeners before we get started as usual i'm going to talk about the sources that i used for this episode there are a bunch of articles on both the british and the indian media and i found the article uh, that guardian did surprisingly really good So you'll as usual find everything in our sources and let's begin our very khuni story. Sita was born in the UK and she had always lived in East London with her family. Of course they used to go to India once in a couple of years to see their family. But Sita was a British citizen. Like many British citizens with Indian heritage, Sita lived a dual life. She was like any other Londoner outside her house. but within her house and her family they lived their life according to punjabi customs yeah you know like all our listeners would know sort of like jess from bendit like beckham and mm-hmm. sita was successful she was smart and hard working she ran her own beauty parlor in east london you know at an early age of 23 and in fact her family also told the media that she always put others first and she was very considerate and soon enough because she was 23 Her father began to look for matches cuz you know we're Indians. <laughs> so <laughs> you so guys have like anything to say? It's like a global phenomenon no <laughs> matter where you live in the world. If yeah. you're Desi, your parents are like, "Wait, you turn 21 or wait a minute, college is done. Let's go, time for shadi." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's that going for you Sneha by the way? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you if you want to run away from this, go to your masters and like don't come back. 
Then be like, after that, I have to do the PhD, <laughs> then a double PhD. This will never be over. Or, or so get a job. Forget about it. Yeah, Mom. or get a job that doesn't let you breathe. Like, that was my job <laughs> till I did my master's. That's pretty much going to be my life after this. So, yeah, for a while. <laughs> so, it's husband or work yourself to death, basically. Yeah. So, the options. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh boy. So I I didn't have an arranged marriage and my parents never had one. I don't think my mom's parents even had one. So they were like totally clueless on how to go about it. And my mom was like, "Uh, please find someone. Don't make us do this. <laughs> we can't do this. <laughs> we can't do this whole arranged marriage nonsense, okay? Please go find someone out there." And just as a joke, um because I wasn't really seeing anyone at that time, my my mom used to find like the weirdest profiles <laughs> on Shadi.com and stuff. Like the weirdest stuff she knew that I would absolutely not be interested in. And then she would send it to me like, oh, Pia, look, I, I have someone for you. Go open your email. And I'm like, mom. <laughs> oh. I think you need so to kind of carry on this tradition. <laughs> reverse engineering. Yeah. Reverse psychology. <laughs> <laughs> Well, lo and behold, I think like six months later, I I met my husband and I was like, all right, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah, well, thankfully for me, like my family hasn't said anything. And even unlike like say 90% of Indian families, I've had like my parents had love marriage, my grandparents on both sides found people themselves. So there is less pressure. There's in fact more pressure to get a job (laughs) than to find a guy. So yeah. They have their priorities right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. What about you, Alex? You're getting uh, arranged soon? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> we're going to find we're going to find a nice desi boy for you. Okay. I wish I'm like asking Indian mothers I see on the streets. Can you arrange for me, please? <laughs> I need help. <laughs> <laughs> or, or just go like, auntie, do you have a boy? <laughs> Auntie. Yeah, I know exactly. Age group. <laughs> oh, please don't go asking the aunties. Okay, the aunties are like I need coward. I need to write to that matchmaker that they did that Netflix show. For. Seema auntie. Oh, yes. Yeah, Seema Seema auntie. auntie. Don't expect much. Okay, <laughs> too much expectation. Yeah, one or two things will match. Hundred percent, nothing will match. <laughs> don't compromise no what compromise you have to compromise always compromise always always i mean we in kuni love love seema auntie like we've always spoken about her right from when we started (laughs) all right okay so i guess we have to petition to get alex on uh Let's do it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I'm very not, I don't know. I'm not worth many goats, as we say on our show. Hey, listen, (laughs) it's reality TV. They want chaos. They don't want someone who's like. That's true. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm a shoe in then. (laughs) You're (laughs) the perfect candidate, Alex. We're going to. I think the next episode is going to be in London. Alex, you can stay at. With ah, some people, I yeah, know. just hop on the train. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Right. So we've got our priorities straight. Let's move on. <laughs> right. So in We're that whole arranged marriage process, <laughs> yeah. Sita's parents introduced her to a man named Pawan Seni. Now, Pawan was an Indian citizen. 
and the pair decided that they liked each other and he moved to the UK to marry her. Sita was elated when she was pregnant and the whole family celebrated the arrival of their little boy, their firstborn. A few months after the birth of their son, Pawan told Sita that his sister-in-law was not able to give birth and he had promised to give his son to that couple, that is Jitendra and his wife. And Sita could not believe her ears. Surely he did not mean that, like she absolutely refused. Her husband tried to convince her a few times, but he also gave up. And she thought that this was the end of the matter. Wow. <laughs> we all know Just from what, up your yeah, how, what happens in Desi households. That nothing, no matter ever ends until the guy gets what he wants. Uh, maybe I'm just me, but why? Why does he want to get rid of his... Why does he want to do this? Right. So in India, there are like... There's a tradition uh, where because of joint families, people sort of give their kids in adoption to other... Like their relatives' kids. Just th- to their relatives. Just because, you know, every all families initially live together. So right. So to sort of ensure that there is continuation and there are heirs and like succession happens smoothly, they just give. And the child in the olden days when it first started didn't really have to live away from their parents because they all lived together. But that's not the case here. Yeah, so even if like one brother gave his child to his other brother, they were all living under the same roof. That makes like, that sounds a little more, I don't know palatable somehow but the the distance factor just sort of makes it feel like they're following a tradition because it's convenient to to i don't know there's something to me it just sounds like a freaking rumpelstiltskin scenario yes yeah 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 (laughs) like his ogre brother is like i need your firstborn yeah it's just Awful, awful, because of what Sneha mentioned. They're not even in the same country. Right, yeah. You yeah. can't just give away your child. Like, you can't just ask a mom to be like, oh, let's give away your child. That's horrific. Yeah. And for the man to think he can even ask that, like, is she a baby factory? What the hell is this nonsense? Yeah, and Seriously. imagine how it must have affected her because she was born and brought up in the UK. She was a Londoner yeah. through and through. So it would have just like shaken her to an extent that she wouldn't have imagined like you think you're immune to all this bullshit Mm -hmm. just because you are born and brought up in the UK but no 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 yeah you know those deep dark um, facets of the culture and tradition kind of seep in and now they're mutated right they're mutated they're no longer in that form that was acceptable or even doable back then yeah, so, it started that's, for that's a the sad part. Exactly. It started for a completely different reason. But what they're doing right now is just not like I'm not saying at any time it is something that is acceptable or it is something that but then you have to judge traditions according to the time they were thought of in. But this is not not for say like the 2000s or the 1990s. This is just especially not if you're living halfway across the world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and a few years later, Sita had a daughter and her husband started all of this again. He said that their eldest son is still young and if they give him away now, he won't really remember that Sita is his mother. So, that's where his head was at. Yeah. 
Yeah, who cares what she remembers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, she can have maybe five other kids to sort of take away her pain. It's fine. Yeah, you have another kid now. It's fine. Yeah. Oh. And Pavan up. tried to tell her that this is very common in India and that their oldest son would be taken care of very well. And this time though, what was different was Pavan's family started to pressurize her. And cracks slowly began to form in her marriage. And tensions rose every day. And a few years later, Sita had twins, a little boy and a little girl. And this was literally when the proverbial shit hit the fan. Not a single day passed without the couple fighting. And this was also around the time when Pavan began to beat Sita. In fact, Sita's sisters had seen him throttling her twice in London in 2010 and 2013. So, and his demands only increased with time. So he's not giving it up. Like he, no. he even when she said no, he just thought, okay, I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying because it's not her decision. Yeah. It's my decision and I just have to do enough where yeah. I can do this legally and not have to like kidnap the child and give him away. Yeah. He's not he's not backing down. He's, he's just buying time. Very fixated on the idea. He's not letting yeah. it go at all. I think all of this may have stemmed from his uh What's that saying in India? Like, you know, I've given my word, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't there a saying like that? Like, I've uh, a man's word, like, uh, you know, I've given my word to my brother, so I have... Yeah, I think that is... That's more important than you feeling whatever you're feeling for yeah. your own child who you carried for nine months and birthed out of your body. He's sort of, like, invalidating her feelings completely. Like, just even while doing that, he's just saying, you as a mother do not have the right to say... Anything that goes on with your child or in your child's life, which is just not acceptable. But So in Feb 2015, the family left to India on what seemed like a holiday. In fact, Sita had written to her children's school principal asking them for time off from February 8th, 2015 to March the 3rd, 2015. And in that letter, she said that her family was going to India to visit their sick grandmother, Pawan's mother. And on March 31st, that was the day Swindar got the call. Sita's family arrived in Delhi on the 1st of April after the call. Now, actually, even before they began their journey to India, Sita's father called up his nephew who lived in Madura to go to Kurukshetra, and that's a five-hour drive, to actually guard Sita's body. Yeah, I mean, clearly the family knew that something was off, like the entire family. So... I feel like whenever they we, we've covered stories where they want to when there's a death and mm-hmm. whoever's with the body wants to perform the traditional Hindu rite of cremation immediately that's often a signal cuz yes that's probably what you would normally do but if you have family that's far away there must be mm-hmm. some caveat to the rules to let them come and be a part yeah. of the rite right Yeah because yes. the thing is I mean I live in India I have family around the world there is always that time there there are reason why you know there are morgues there are morgues all over the world and they can help you preserve the body till all your relatives come back and as far as I know I'm pretty sure there is no scripture or anything that says oh a body has to be cremated in a certain time frame because that's not yeah. 
especially now since there's so many indians working in different parts of the world you can't just say you know what these guys had said so moving on sometime in the evening of 1st april the family managed to reach kurukshetra and it was like any other hindu funeral house where you know people wore white and they mourned and remember the nephew he was still there to ensure that her body would not be cremated and sita's family walked in and saw that sita was in a glass coffin and weirdly there were thick blankets wrapped around her body they could not see her through the glass and swindar literally had to push her way through the crowd to see her sister and when she got close she could not see anything so she tried to open the coffin and several of pavan's family tried to push her back saying that all of this is inauspicious but of course swindar held on and managed to push open the coffin's lid and she pulled off the covers and she was shocked to see that sita's neck and all of her upper chest was bruised so what kind of heart attack leaves you with bruises on your neck cuz i can imagine you might have bruises on your chest if they if they said they performed cpr or something yeah but nothing around your neck those are strangulation marks good point yeah very very clearly so obviously it all sort of came together in swindar's mind and she screamed in frustration she knew that pavan's family had murdered her sister because she knew she was right all along that there was no heart attack and even before they came to kurukshetra the family had made the decision to take back sita's body to the uk and sita's family also spoke to pavan about it and at that point pavan agreed he even agreed to help with the paperwork because the thing is in india i think there is a rule somewhere that says uh, the spouse has to give a sign off to repatriate the body he said they can all go to the police station together to finish the formalities so till now he seems like he was going to cooperate and the next day on second early morning the family asked pavan to go to the police station with them and that's when this guy started acting very very sketchy you know they basically wanted to take her back to the uk because they wanted to get a postmortem to determine the cause of her death and at that time pavan started making excuses and you know at around 10 am that day he told sita's father that he cremated her he apparently said she was my wife oh my god my property yeah how can you do that the family traveled all the way from uk just so they could be there for her last rites yeah and he he's saying that he just cremated her overnight while they slept without yeah. consulting them without telling them he just did it someone had something to hide in a hurry super sus super sus yeah. nothing about that says that he cared about either sita or his, or her family or their children It definitely screams guilty to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a casual observer. Yes, yes, exactly. And Pavan also told the press that he asked the family to come to Sita's cremation and they said that they'll not come. Like apparently he told the family mm. to sleep upstairs in the house and the next day he went upstairs and asked them to come to the cremation so and they said no. And he didn't like, you know, push them or ask them This is very sus. I mean, come on, who does that? 
the you know I could see like maybe one or two people in the family would be having a really hard time with like how devastating the event is, but everyone is like not gonna go. Nah, just no. it's not happening. Like they didn't fly all the way there to sit in their bedroom. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. They wanted to be yeah. next to Sita, Clearly. be with her in this final journey. They wanted to be there with her. Mm-hmm. They would have been there if they knew this was happening. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they're a very caring family. I, I doesn't seem natural for them to have just said, "Oh no, we're just going to sit in our room." Exactly. Pavan even said that you know if he was if the family was so worried that he killed her, then why did they not go to the police station immediately? Like and he had the audacity to say, "If I was beating her back in the UK, why did she not go to the police?" Oh, oh wow. Okay, yeah. so I mean, he has no idea about how domestic Viol- violence works. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the thing is, does this man not understand that the family could have been in shock? or jet lag or both and when it comes to like going to the police station in the uk wherever you are in the world we indians always have log kya kahenge in our heads so yeah why does domestic violence occur at at such an alarming rate in south asia at all because of those societal um, ostracisms yes you know of women who speak out against their husbands or their in-laws because you're supposed to just accept it this is your new life this is your new family whatever is meted out to you it's your fate that's what yeah. that's what people think yeah and again what else can you expect from a patriarchal society right <laughs> you are your value of as a course. woman is zero i mean if you think about it she was good enough for him to marry her because she had a british citizenship but she was not good enough for you know him to sort of protect her and say even if his brother was the one who says look i want your boy he could have just stood up and said no this is my child she wasn't even good enough for that it sounds like they're just using her for everything they were milking yeah. her like a cow like oh passport oh children we can just take everything from you and sh- you know share your wealth with our family but like i don't really care if you're a human being with feelings <laughs> yeah exactly yeah what a disgusting person this pawan is and also his family they sound horrible they sound like like i said like ogres freaking rumple stiltskin <laughs> yeah. absolutely and after he broke the news to them swindar ran downstairs and there it was the empty coffin and with the blankets but no uh. sita it's just so so you know heart wrenching i can't even imagine her children are there her whole family is there that must have been devastating because i'm sure the children weren't taken to the cremation grounds either i don't think you'd take children so they must have not had that chance to say their final goodbyes either yeah and i'm sure they're much older now they're probably in their teens yes yes Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel so sorry for them. I I really hope they're able to make some peace with this because it involves both their parents, you know. Yeah. These sort of situations must also be really surreal. Like you wouldn't think yeah. 
such crazy things could happen and then they're happening to you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the outcome they're losing or they're it's affecting yeah. both of their parents. Yeah. So And come to think of it, you're a child who's not even ten. You are taken away from the sort of environment you grew up in. You were used to a certain kind of a lifestyle and you're completely taken say from London to Kurukshetra. It's such a change. And on top of processing this, you have to process all of this that's happening. So it must have been so harrowing for them. Do we know at all if this was the first time they had traveled back to India? I don't think so because from what what I could find, Pawan was very close to his family. So he doesn't seem like the type who would never take them back. Mm. He would definitely mm. make sure that they had been to India a couple of times before. He sounds oh, like yeah, the kind actually. who's going to take the like three month old on the plane, even if it's not recommended. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, like to parade his son yeah. around in front of his brother. Yeah. Like, oh, look, yeah. this might be yours one day. Check hey, out the merchandise, the bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas gift. But okay, let's not. <laughs> oh. So that day, Swindar and her father somehow made their way to the police station in Kurukshetra. Nobody helped them and people were refusing to even tell them the directions to the police station. And apparently, 40 people followed them to make sure that they do not file a complaint at the police station. You know, at least that's what it felt like to Swindar. It really felt like they were trying to, you know, shoo the family away from the town. And once they got to the police station, the police were uncaring and did not help the family at all. And some of the officers actively refused to take down the report. Because apparently when they reached the police station, there was no electricity. And that's where the excuses started. They said, no, we can't take the FIR right now because there is no electricity in the police station. Um, Okay, like, I'm pretty sure most cops have a book where they yeah, write yes, the yes, case down first yes, yes so they're like oh we can't see the book you know our eyesight is so horrible we there's candles haven't been invented in kurukshetra honestly so, you know as 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 a lawyer who's actually been to a police station i can tell you that there are like there are books and papers within the station where they give you like there are forms that say you know this is the form that you fill to file an FIR that can be filled by either the police or the complainant and clearly when they say these kind of things these are just excuses and also because um, Sita's family are from the UK so they would have no idea about the rules or the regulations or how things work so they could have literally lied to them and said anything just to kind of get rid of them and be like oh we can't the computer's not working so we can't do it right now go away see we come later but basically it sounds like Pawan's family had the cops in their pocket no I just wanted to like ask as well maybe it's because I I don't really know how it would how the situation would play out but the people following them like who were they Oh, so basically, they were all uh, people who came to mourn. So I'm assuming they were guests and relatives okay. of Pawan's family. And so they were from it his seems side. like a small enough yeah. town. Yeah, yeah, they were all his side. So they were just trying to make sure that I don't even know if they knew that Pawan's family is allegedly guilty or not. But they just sort of supported 
them because their side of the family okay yeah gotcha thank you yeah so again it you know our theory just only get you'll get there'll be more weight added to it because then a police officer went to speak to the senis that is pavan's family and he actually told sita's family that just take your son-in-law and the kids back to the uk and forget about everything like don't even file a complaint leave the son-in-law let's get out of here go back to the uk the cop is telling sita's family take your son-in-law and your ki- and his kids and go back that's to what the i'm UK. saying like, like the way as the like son-in-law as the family in law i'd be like oh well maybe we'll go back to the uk but can we leave the son-in-law here cuz he's responsible cancel his yeah. um cancel his green card or whatever it is right <laughs> Yeah but but the family persisted and they filed a report they even stayed back for 3 weeks but nothing happened in the investigation and they had to leave and unfortunately they had to leave Sita's children with their father because the police did not charge Pawan with anything so the family could have taken the kids away if the police had charged Pawan or named him in the complaint or anything but they did not do mm. anything of that sort so the family basically had no claim to the children oh my god that's so sad that's so sad yeah it clearly sounds like the cops were in cahoots mm-hmm. with pavan's family mm-hmm. whatever it is you know how it is in india right like people of the same caste or community like yes. are so thick no matter what like whether you're a criminal a killer or a cop or whatever if you're from my community i'm going to back you up no matter what and i know that worked uh, uh like heavily heavily in the north of india in the region we're talking about right now yes, so absolutely. maybe some of that is in play yes absolutely now obviously there is our next question for us at least is who can actually investigate this case because this is a british national who was killed in india and the suspicion is on her husband so do the british police investigate this or the indian police now there is an act called the 1861 offences against the persons act which is a british act that covers domestic and transnational murders and as well as acts of manslaughter now the law states that any british citizen who commits murder or manslaughter abroad can be investigated tried and punished in the united kingdom but this law doesn't include immigrants or permanent residents which by that time oh. pavan was a permanent resident he was not a british citizen mm. so they can't do anything unless He has so a can passport. they get him if he goes back to London? That's a, yes, I think they can, or they can actually. They'll have to come through the. I think what should happen is the police, the Indian police, has to investigate first, give a report, okay, and then there has to be like a I think an extradition order signed that has to come from mm-hmm. the UK police, because again wow. that will only happen because uh, like I will later on tell you also that. because they have proof that he had already assaulted her back in the uk mm-hmm. so it's right. like a lot of you know bureaucracy Paperwork. and i'm sure yeah. pavan's family knew all of this and this is the exact loophole you know that kept sita's and many other families from getting justice in these kind of honor killing cases so and 6 months after sita's family went back to 
the UK, the Indian police told their lawyer, I mean, they appointed a lawyer in India by that time, that while the police could say that Sita was murdered, there was no evidence that the murderer was Pawan. And according to them, the murderer also could not be traced. So they just closed the case as inconclusive evidence. Oh, yeah. Why even like open a case? Because, you know, it's uh, we can't find it. So just close it before it even opens. What nonsense is this? These are the dumbest cops ever. We need to give a Budu award (laughs) to these cops. 100%. What? Yeah, because if they actually opened an investigation, interviewed everyone, wrote down the circumstances, grilled them, or at least put it in writing that these are suspicious circumstances. Also... Uh, like we saw in the Joliamma case from mm. Kuritai. Yes. You know, she was killing all those family members one by one and saying it's a heart attack, right? People yes. are believing it yes. and, you know, burying the bodies. But if someone objected or if even you do need a uh, coroner's, coroner's, coroner's report. Report? Yeah. To cremate? Yes. In such circumstances, so someone signed off and said, yeah, it's a heart attack? Yeah, I think so because they clearly seem to have had like a good, you know, like a good rapper with the police or the local government. Or they could have just said, yeah, she died. Now we can't help it. We're just going to do it. And the sad part is she was a woman. Now the British police also could not help the family stating the same law. But here the victim was a British citizen. And listeners of Kuni, if you recall, even in the Scarlet Keeling case, which we covered in episodes 33 and 34, it was the Indian police who actually investigated. Although the difference was the accused in this case, in the Scarlet Keeling case was Indian. But even then the murder happened in India. There is an NGO called the South All Black Sisters, an organization that's helping Sita's family say that, you know, sort of the Britain government is less interested in intervening in cases that involved non-white British nationals. Because, you know, if you guys recall the Madeleine McCain case, where a child was, I think, murdered in France, they went and investigated it. Like, they went overboard, overboard with their investigation. And it's not solved yet, but they were very active. That was not the case in Sita's case. Yes. I mean, I just looked it up. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the Met Police. Metropolitan Police. Yes. Yes. In the UK. Spent 11 years and Mm. 13 million pounds searching for her. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The thought that, well... Even if she was a British national, are they going to pay that much attention to her like a brown British national? It passed through my head. Like, sad but true. Yeah. It's like a subliminal streak of racism. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or exclusion, even if they're not coming out and saying it. But it's it's saying it through their actions or lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Really? You guys know this term about the the less than dead? Yes. I feel like there's a whole category that could be studied of, you know, what like 
would you call not immigrant nationals, uh, like immigrated nationals, uh, non-indigenous? It's weird to say non-indigenous. No, I don't know yeah. what the right. I don't know what the right terminology would be, but for this group of people that have you know been born in the country, even their parents have been born, but maybe at some point you know family was brought over from a different place, and it's like. Yeah, non-white into white countries specifically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I bet there's a whole there. There would be a very, very strong numbers mm-hmm. correlation. Yes, for sure. It is a phenomenon for sure. Like it's not, it's not just our imagination yeah. or a comment that we're making. It happens. It used to happen, and it continues to happen. So I, I'm I'm very happy to hear of this organization, yeah. the Whitehall Sisters. South Hall Black um, Sisters. South Hall Black I'm Sisters. Sorry. Yeah. Of this organization, South Hall Black Sisters, who are taking up this cause and raising their voices to make this issue, you know, be in front, front and center of people. Because unless you tell people about it, no one's going to seek it out on their own. Yes. These are uncomfortable facts. Mm-hmm. These are things that will make you shift in your seat and realize we don't live in a perfect world even if you know everything looks happy and cheerful on instagram and tiktok and whatnot there are still very basic issues like this going on even today in places like london this is this is from 2015 yes yes it's not that old nope this is not i feel like 2015 was yesterday but it was actually (laughs) closer to 10 years ago than it (laughs) yes (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) sorry side note totally irrelevant maybe inappropriate but no it's still not that long ago like it's it's still very much modern day yes so our next question would be was this an honor killing now sita's family says yes pawan's family were probably dishonored by her decision to not give up her baby for adoption and the family believes that sita's murder was pre-planned that Pawan left his job in the UK before going back. They're saying that he took Sita and the family to India, falsely claiming that his mother was sick, which was exactly what Sita wrote in the letter to her children's school principal. But Pawan has different things to say. Pawan says that he and Sita discussed their son moving to India like once or twice. He says that they told her that they were going to India to celebrate their twins' first birthday. And the other two children at that time, in 2015, were six and eight. Pawan also says he never resigned from his job, but kept asking his boss for extensions to his vacation. Now, after Sita died, Pawan says he decided to remain in India, but didn't notify his boss of this decision. So he showed the media a WhatsApp message in which he told his boss that he would return on March 24th and not March 4th as he planned. Now, his employers obviously did not speak to the media saying, you know, data privacy and stuff. So, now the Southall Black Sisters also sent the media a copy of his P45. Now, this is the document that British workers received when they were leaving a job. And the date on that says March the 22nd, like the employment ended on 22nd March, nine days before Sita's death. So he clearly did know he was not going to come back to the UK. Thoughts? So honor killing usually happens in India when 
basically for most people in india honor of a family usually rests on how the women behave it's one of the things so like if you do you marry outside your caste or if you marry someone who is from a lower caste or from another religion or you do something that sort of in their opinion lowers the honor or like dishonors the mm-hmm. family the women are killed and there are so many cases in north india where the women and the guy she seeing or even the women and her husband or the boy she married were killed by the girl's family and this is not the first case that i have heard of where a family that is living in another country they're citizens of another country they have gotten back their daughter from that particular place and killed her because she did something that they did not agree with so in this case her saying no to like giving up her own child was mm-hmm. looked at as her disrespecting her husband so in okay. a very roundabout way she is sort of dishonoring her husband's family by not listening yeah and also by not giving up her child she is sort of contributing to the fact that her husband's brother is never going to have an heir right so again sort okay. of besmirching the family name yeah so these are all the reasons that would make people sort of wonder if this is an honor killing right and so what i'm kind of taking away too is mm-hmm. that this was so premeditated he left yes. his job he knew he was not going to come back that means that before like they really really intentionally planned to bring her back to india yes to kill her knowing that there would be little or no consequences absolutely another yeah, thing that okay. sort of is helping them in this case is that they know that the indian police will not interfere if you know enough yeah. people in the police and if the girl's family like if sita's family does not have the influence that you would need to sort of stage like an intervention by the police they know that the case will just be let go and that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened in this case so they knew what was on their side and this is not the first time this has happened in the uk and even the british police from what i've read are very reluctant to interfere in these cases and right yeah yeah like we as casual observers uh, are finding this a very strange case and a strange string of circumstances that don't make sense yeah none of this is making sense and we have to follow the the uh the cues from sita's family because they know better they know her they know what she was going through they knew pavan and his family and if they think something was wrong and if they have suspicions and if they think she didn't have a heart attack that it was murder then we have to follow those cues because everything else is aligning to those suspicions yes and especially in the absence of an investigation like you're leaving it open mm-hmm. for interpretation and i'm going to interpret this as foul play as a very suspicious yes. death yes yes as foul play being involved yeah like i've seen so many cases with even less circumstantial evidence where people have been convicted absolutely so, absolutely we have done so many cases who are these where, buddu cops exactly <laughs> they just i mean there is 
even in the uk people know i'm sure there are like enough people who know that what has happened is an honor killing like they may not know the word for it but they definitely know that it was murder like a healthy 33 year old woman just not dropped dead of a heart attack yeah covered in bruises like yes even if and if she did you can very easily tell that from a postmortem yes right. exactly very easily yeah which they didn't allow so i mean <laughs> what have they got to hide <laughs> Right? Do we know I mean hide? what happened with the children I guess the children are still in India have yes, has the son yes. been given to the brother like uh again this is like one of those millions of cases that are sensa- very very unfortunately they're sensational for like maybe a year or so and, and then, then just sort of drop into internet anonymity you know they don't yeah. pick it up and and uh, the UK media very much like the indian media is vicious in the sense that when they think something is fresh they're like just pick it up and it's all over and and in fact this case was not even treated with that front page level you know importance until yeah. the south all black sister started making it a thing and started mm. trying to approach an mp uh, or or a politician there so this was never reported with even that much of a so there was basically no dignity given to her even in death oh and yeah the, i feel so deeply for sita's family in this situation because yes. they must have felt and continue to feel mm-hmm. helpless just helpless because i i don't think they would ever get over that guilt even though they are not at all responsible for any of this or you know but but that feeling of what could we have done will never go away i'm sure i'm sure you know they they have this cross to bear for the rest of their lives and i'm pretty sure the husband feels nothing yeah i would i would be shocked if he didn't get married again i was just, just so he could find that. a new yes. uh you know new baby factory and pump out more kids for whatever relatives need you know a scion to carry on their obsession with the y chromosome yeah. i don't know i don't know so you know that's sort of after i tried looking at anything to do with the case after say 2015 2016 it's almost like there is nothing written about it there is mm. just she is in fact cited as an example in other cases that have happened but mm. there has been no development in these cases and right now in the uk there is a demand for a law that protects british citizens who belong to like you know the southeast asian heritage so that they can be protected but nothing has happened as of now i i just recommend everyone that's listening and wants to at least get um familiar with this case and other cases of this type go to the website of the south hall south hall black, black sisters, sisters and read further about the case because the thing is it's not just happening in the uk it's these there are cases like this happening in canada united states australia new zealand basically everywhere you have indian immigrants or immigrants from the southeast asia it this these are things that are happening and mm. you know there is none of these 
countries seem to be caring a lot about it because of course as we said they are not the ones that they want to pay attention to we are not the madeline mccain's we are not like a front page story according to them so it's just sad yeah, we're dispensable <laughs> absolutely yeah yes <laughs> since both of you are obviously not living in india i just want to ask how is it for you living abroad is there that duality that you know sita grew up with did you experience either in your family or do you see anything around you so i've never lived in india my dad is american and like i said earlier like i haven't had like a very indian like upbringing yeah. my mom is indian but like i never so i'm really unfortunately in some ways disconnected from my culture i guess but uh both of my brothers were like born in India and they grew up there and then they moved to the US and one of them married back into sort of like a full Indian family and they have like a really strong community in southern Arizona like of all places okay. and i think it's that thing you were just saying where they're almost more like strict and traditional yeah. and they're really like actively trying to preserve indian culture but like among themselves probably mm-hmm. because they're facing this sensation of like the country that they're in wants to like strip you of all of that a little yeah. bit yeah, yeah um and like my nieces were born in the US just like luchi was born in the US um and so i'm sure it will be interesting for them coming back to coming to india or like visiting india and and you know trying to figure out exactly like yeah. is this is how to relate to yeah, the identity exactly, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but um pia and pia you recently got your american citizenship right Uh-huh, uh-huh. So now I'm American. <laughs> so do you think if you get like reverse trafficked back to India and you die as <laughs> the US government could have come and like solve your murder? That was like maybe the number one reason why I became a citizen because I'm like <laughs> what I've heard, seen in cases. The Americans always yes, always yes. look out for their citizens no matter where they yes. are. Like if you go missing, if you like travel yes. somewhere you go missing, something happens to you, the American yes, absolutely. will take care of you because family. they come and then there is always this one bored officer sitting in some dingy office with a cigarette like <laughs> okay, I'm going to go <laughs> make it my life's ambition to solve this murder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean I'm I'm just kidding of course. I'm sure all the other countries take care of their citizens too. It's just like when I used to read all these cases, I'd be yes. like, "Ooh, wow, the Americans really take care of of their citizens." So I was like, "Okay, good. I I feel good about my decision." Um I mean, I've just been here long enough that it made sense to Yeah. do all the paperwork and sign it off. And my daughter is American as yeah. much as like we're trying to raise her with the whole uh Indian culture and also very watered down indian culture because my home was very like hodgepodge we didn't we were not religious we were not very traditional like my i i get it chill. i get it i grew so. up in a household like that so i sort of understand 
Yeah, so it's like I don't even know what you're supposed to do. Yeah, like ninety percent of the time, I have no idea about rituals. I don't know anything, any of the pujas. I don't know a single thing. So I'm like, I can't even teach my own kid, but I can teach her about um, respecting whatever is out there, right? I'm like, listen, you don't have to practice anything. Just know about it and know that you know your ancestors came from there. It's just so. There's a little connection. You know, you of don't course. have to be Indian or yes. Desi in any way. You be what you want to be. Um, and what I've observed here locally, and it may just be a local thing, mm-hmm. a lot of groups are still very much homogenous yeah. in terms yes. of communities. Like yes. they will form their communities based along the lines of either the state they're from yes, or whatever's sub-community they're from it's very odd it's very strange and because I didn't grow up like that I feel out of place everywhere because Absolutely. I'm like I don't care which state you're from yes. or what what religion or whatever if you're if you're Desi I can talk to you about anything but but it happens a lot yeah <laughs> here. like all the good Jews are together yes all the Tamilians are together 100%. all the you know the, the Telugu people are yes. together so I'm like okay where, yeah. where do I belong <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I spent my last year in Edinburgh. So I was traveling a bit and I have family in London. And it's always, yeah, because I'm again from a mixed family. So I don't know whom, because there's always like, yeah, as you said, the Gujus are together or like the Telugus are together or like <laughs> the Tamils are together. And it's always, it's the same. I think I've seen this in the US. I'm, I've seen this in the UK. And I'm sure it's the same everywhere. And everybody sort of wants to, you know, hold on to that little piece of home. But, you know, that's, which is why... To me, the piece of piece of home is, uh, I'm very happy to get like some chakli yes. <laughs> and some kakra and my chai every morning. That's enough. <laughs> like that's, I feel desi enough <laughs> with my morning breakfast. Of course. I but have... yeah, it's so interesting. All three of us have that mixed upbringing. Yeah. We're like little mutts. <laughs> Muts uh, that never feel like they belong. Oh. Yeah, so that is the end of our case for today. Thank you so much for coming on to our show, you guys. Uh, and I will be going to their show too to talk about another similar case in another country. That will be coming up, I think, the week or so after this. So, Pia, so Alex, tell us about your show. Where can we, where can we find you all? Where can we follow you? Give us the tea. Um, sure. So you can hear Crimes from the East wherever you listen to podcasts. I have connected the stream to every single podcast out app out there. And if you don't listen to podcasts, I even upload the audio to YouTube. So just search for Crimes from the East. And of course, like, review, subscribe, follow. You know the usual things. <laughs> if you like us, of course, you're not forced to listen to us. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> we generally do we we do cases from South Asia, so all the countries in our little you know in that little corner of the world, we've covered cases from Sri Lanka, Nepal, a lot from Bangladesh, um, and we we also covered a case from Pakistan, I believe, mm-hmm. and I do have a couple of cases lined up from Pakistan. So so yeah, a little bit of a mixed bag, and uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Woohoo! Of course, they and will listen to you. I got a lot of inquiries when I mentioned you guys last time. So, 
they're all very excited to listen. <laughs> Yay! I mean, I love Kuni, and I, I, I feel like if you like Kuni, you'll probably like Crimes from the East too. We're not the same, but we're similar. So I feel like if if you vibe with Kuni, you may vibe with Crimes from the East. We have a similar vibe. And thank you so much for having us. This has been really fun and educational and um, like we're big fans. So it's such a an honor <laughs> oh to be on God. the show. Please don't kill us. No. <laughs> Please don't kill me. <laughs> no coons on the Cootie Podcast. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So... I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. It was slightly different from what I've been doing since I came back from the dead. As you can say, Aditi's going to come back very soon. And Yay. we've reached the end of the show. You know what you all have to do. Write us a review on Apple. Like, follow, subscribe wherever you listen to us. So that you're updated as soon as we receive, as soon as we upload a new episode. So thank you so much. I'll see you all next week. Bye. Have a very coony week. Bye. Bye.